and welcome to episode 134 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? Before we kick things off today, I would just like to let you know that on the 20th of June, our brand new merch store is going to be opening and we are going to have a new line of merch, which is very exciting. And we would like to thank our Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Pam Kyo, Siobhan Champagne, Zia Martinez, Morgan Massacre, Amanda Sturgill, Karen T, Kizzy Wote, Katie Nauf, Kim, Jessica Ritchie, Vicky Guzcott, Nakita George, Moira, Cats and Coffee 91, Kath, Oliver Shortdad, Jasmine Gonzalez, Jessica Stanley LMT, and Kim Dool. Thank you so much for being our Patreon subscribers. We love you and we appreciate you every damn day. And our film review this week, our film review is The Relic. The Relic was released in 2020. It has 6 out of 10 on IMDb and 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like a synopsis? Mm, Yeah, go on in. When family matriarch Edna goes missing, her daughter and granddaughter return home to find her. They discover a haunting presence hanging over the home, which is taking over Edna's mind. What were your thoughts on this film? I found it very intense to watch. I thought they made the old lady character very scary and everything that went around that was very claustrophobic. I didn't like it initially when we finished watching it because I was like, it's another another take on dementia and I find it difficult to talk about dementia. But the more I thought, the more I thought about the movie, the more I realised that actually it is very, very good. It's very layered. It's a very layered film. And it's also, I mean, it's it's definitely a horror about ageing and a horror about diseases like dementia and how they are hereditary or can be hereditary diseases and the horror and the fear that comes with that. I found it a very difficult watch. Because it just because it was so unsettling, I thought, oh my gosh, like I don't know. Oh, it was, it was, yeah, it was tough and genuinely very scary in parts. The horror element is incredibly subtle. If you if you blink, you'll miss it, you know. And there was loads of times where either of us would go, "Did you see that?" No, I didn't see it, and we'd have to rewind and have a look, and and the other one would be like, "Oh yeah, now I can see it in the corner." It's that kind of a movie. The acting in it is incredible. So good, so good. Considering Emily Mortimer is English, and I know obviously Australian accent has roots in in, like an English accent, but it's very hard to maintain convincingly as an English person. And I thought she did a fantastic job. And the wee one, the younger one, was was good as well. And obviously, the the actress who played Edna was phenomenal. Oh yeah, the the older lady who is Edna. I mean, her performance. Because you, you, there are elements of it where you wonder, like, is she is she possessed? What's happening here? But then when she is just being horrible to her daughter and her granddaughter, which you kind of think is a product of the dementia, but there's also hints that maybe she actually wasn't very nice as a mum in general. And she is scary. She is scarier when she's like that than she is when she's when they're hinting at the fact that something has taken over her. 100% lucid Edna when she had lucid moments and she was just cross at someone. Like, for example, when she gets really angry about the granddaughter having her wedding ring. Like, obviously, that is a sign of the dementia not remembering doing something like that. But she is just scary. She's just really scary. Like, there was some looks, some shade that she threw on their daughter at various points. during And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, when she finds out about the nursing home plan. Oh, yeah. Oh, really scary. 
Yeah, she's she's just uh, and it was a phenomenal performance from all three of them. I have to say, like I thought it was great. I don't. I still. I'm not really sure how I felt about it. I think there were elements of it that were so ambiguous that I didn't understand what was happening. Like almost too ambiguous. Uh, there's a whole subplot about this shack on their land that I didn't quite understand. That seemed to be really significant, but I didn't really, I didn't really understand it. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a tough watch because it because it was so intense, like you said at the beginning. I don't really. I'm struggling. I'm right. I'm going to say spoiler alert now for the next couple of minutes. The ending is mad. I, the ending is mad. I mean, that's the one point that that probably is going to bring the score down ultimately because I get it was trying to say a story, but I don't really understand what happened. I think it leaned too much on the metaphor. I really think it just it like there's a there's a beautiful moment where the three generations of women are lying side by side on the bed and the visual impact of that was was really good, right? Because you understood exactly, I think, what the director was trying to portray. But it just went mad and it was it was it was just so metaphorical that it sort of became just not understandable. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but it was very bizarre. It was like a, a more watchable mother, I felt, in the way that it was doing it was an allegory of something, do you know what I mean? And it was about I desperately want going into it, I desperately wanted it to be like Okay, so this lady has dementia, but there is something supernatural going on. Because when there's that clear distinction, it's really easy to to talk about. When it's this sort of wider picture looking at the sort of horrors of dementia and ageing and trying to cover so many things, it just makes it really difficult to talk about. And it was really, it was really clever. And I really appreciated it for what it was. I was disappointed because it wasn't what I wanted it to be for that particular evening. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, actually, this is a quality picture. Yeah, because what what happens is you see the horror of what's happened of what's happening to the older woman being played out with the two younger girls mm. or the two younger women rather. You can things happen to them that you go, oh god, that must be what it feels like, which is very clever. But like like you said, there there isn't a supernatural element that you can hold on to and go and kind of dissect that. I guess so. It was an interesting film. I think I would recommend it. I found it intense but the the three main acting performances were incredible and it's very subtle it's a very subtly told story at points until the end where i just I, to be honest i just didn't really understand what was happening so what would you give it out of five uh, i'd give it a good four and i definitely would recommend it i think it is scary if you're looking for something scary the intensity of it is scary like it's it's really unsettling particularly i found the bit where the young girl was lost in, they got eaten by the house is what I was calling it, but when she got lost behind the walls, really, I think you described it as claustrophobic and I think that's what I was feeling. Like I found it really intense. It was ridiculous, but also intense. Yeah, it was just very strange. It was a very strange moment in the film. Um, yeah, I'd give it a four as well. I, I, I really enjoyed it, but I found it just confusing. Maybe that was what it was meant to do, you know? Maybe that was what they were aiming for, but I did find it very confusing. Which brings us to our story this week. Do you know the story of Mary Worth? No. But I'm going to tell you that you do, most likely. Okay. And that Mary Worth will have had an impact on your life in some way, shape or form. Is it Merry Christmas? Did she get married to Father Christmas and become Merry Christmas? (laughs) No, it isn't. So are you ready to dive into the story of Mary Worth? I guess so. New England was on fire. 
with fear and superstition. Religious people were living in perpetual fear of the darkness, of devils and demons, and witches and eternal damnation. But Mary was interested in none of it. She lived by the old ways and had little interest in the fears and follies of the local village. Mary lived alone in a tiny hut in the forest and survived by foraging and trapping her own food. She rummaged in ditches and in the undergrowth for specific herbs and wildflowers that she knew could do any number of weird and wonderful things. Much to her own disdain, she would occasionally have to go to the village for fabric or other essentials and would be met with stares and whispers from the villagers. She knew what they said about her, and frankly she wasn't really bothered by it. Her life was her own and she was happy living in nature. More often than she would like, on dusky evenings there would be a frantic knock on Mary's door. She would open it to a villager who would always have a look of fear and desperation. While the people of the village were frightened of Mary and in some ways despised her, they also had a distinct respect for her and her healing abilities. It was an unspoken reality that almost every person in the village had availed of Mary's tinctures and tonics over the years, and no one could deny that she understood the healing properties better than anyone. She might be a witch, but when times were desperate she was more reliable than any doctor. And this was the way for years. The adults of the village would use Mary to frighten their children. If you wander into the woods, the witch will get you but also using her medicines to cure their ailments. They lived in some form of weird harmony. That was until the children began to go missing. Little girls from the village were disappearing. There was never a sign of struggle, no grisly murder scene, and no explanation as to where they were going. The village was suddenly awash with grief, and the wails of distraught mothers pierced the air, and of course the whispers began. What if it was her? What if the witch took them? Were they trapped in her cabin in the woods? Eventually the whispers became shouts, and a gang of men decided that there was only one way to find out. They gathered weapons just in case, and made their way to Mary's cabin along the well-worn path. Mary knew they were coming, obviously. They lacked any form of subtlety tramping through the woods, and she watched in amusement as they hesitated at the door, wondering who was going to knock first. One man stepped forward, and his wrist seemed to falter slightly just before he pounded on the door. He quickly stepped back as the door opened, and there was an audible and collective gasp. It was Mary who opened the door all right, but not the Mary they knew. The Mary they knew was older, haggard and wizened, but this Mary seemed young and fresh and full of life. The wrinkles were gone from her face, and she had a vitality about her that was almost palpable. After a heavy pause, one of the men finally spoke. Do you have our girls, Mary? Mary laughed, a tinkling, joyful laugh, and assured them that she knew nothing of the girls invited them to check her cabin and told them with a wink that she would pray for their safe return home. The men returned to the village with only an uneasy feeling to show for their searches. The town went quiet. It was weeks later and the miller's wife was in terrible pain with a toothache. 
Her jaw had swollen and she was swilling one of Mary's tinctures in her mouth, desperately hoping for some form of relief. As the night deepened, her daughter sat at her feet practising her sewing. The only sound that broke the silence was the occasional moan of pain from the miller's wife as she sucked air through her teeth with each new throb. Mother? What's that noise? The miller's wife listened but could hear nothing and told her daughter as much. She looked down at her daughter and realised that she had stopped sewing, needle frozen in mid-air. Her body felt stiff and tense against her. She looked at her daughter's face. It was blank, but tears were streaming down her cheeks. Mother? What's that sound? She asked again. The miller's wife stared at her daughter. There was no sound. She could hear nothing. She called for her husband, and as he entered the room, their daughter stood so quickly that it caused them both to jump in shock. With her face still blank, she tilted her head as though she were listening intently and began to move towards the door of their home. Her movements were jerky and unnatural, almost like she was a marionette puppet being controlled by invisible strings. They watched in horror as she opened the door and made her way outside into the darkness. The miller and his wife went after her, trying to wrestle her into the house but failed miserably. She seemed to be filled with superhuman strength. The miller called for local men to help and people ran from their houses to try and stop her. But there was no stopping her and she was ambling towards the woods. It felt as though they all saw it at the same time. There at the edge of the woods was Mary. She was emitting a strange glow and was pointing towards the miller's daughter. People began to scream. A gunshot rang out and the miller's daughter crumpled into a heap sobbing hysterically. Mary may have been filled with sudden youth but she just wasn't fast enough. A farmer had shot her directly in the hip and it had broken the spell. She was set upon by a group of men who dragged her kicking and screaming into the middle of the village. She was tied to a stake and a bonfire was quickly assembled. While she burned, Mary Worth spat a curse at the villagers. If they ever dared to utter her name in the mirror, she would return. When the embers had finally burned out and the witch was gone, a proper search of her little cabin in the woods was done and lined up in neat little rows were the remains of little girls buried in shallow graves. There are many of you who will know the story of Mary Worth, or at least a variation of it, particularly if you're in the US. Stories obviously adapt over time, and in some modern versions of this story, Mary Worth was actually a woman killed by the roadside who is now a phantom hitchhiker. For others, Mary Worth isn't the origin story of Bloody Mary, rather it is the infamous Elizabeth Bathory. There are also those who believe that the story originated from Queen Mary I, Queen Mary was the daughter of King Henry VIII and was a casualty of royal politics in the 1500s, which resulted in her being separated from her mother and deemed illegitimate. She suffered her whole life from horrific periods, which caused her severe physical and psychological distress. She eventually took the throne and married Prince Philip of Spain, who was decidedly uninterested in her, but she did become pregnant. Her belly grew and she displayed all the secondary symptoms of pregnancy. 
As was custom, she retreated to her chamber six weeks before her due date in order to prepare for the birth. But the baby never came. More time passed and the baby still never arrived. Eventually, her belly shrank and she emerged from the chamber without a baby and just unable to explain what happened to her. We now know that she was suffering from what is colloquially known as a phantom pregnancy, which is rare, but can occur when a person is so desperate for a baby that their body begins to show symptoms of pregnancy. Post-phantom pregnancy, Mary said about reversing the changes her father had made and said about the merciless persecution of Protestants. She had 240 men and 60 women burnt at the stake simply for being Protestant, earning her the nickname Bloody Mary. It is said that if you chant her name in the mirror, a terrifying spectre will appear and try to take your baby. Whatever the origins of the story, it is one that is told worldwide and has been a staple at sleepovers for years, almost a coming-of-age ritual. What some people may not know is that there is a definite truth to the mirror phenomenon. Most of the time, the Bloody Mary ritual involves you standing in front of a mirror in a dimly lit room and chanting her name three times and waiting. And it's the waiting that is the key. If you stare at your own face in a dimly lit room for a long period of time, something called dissociative identity effect happens, which means your brain starts to misfire and distort the image that you are seeing. It's pretty much like hallucinating and goes some way to explaining the enduring legend of Bloody Mary. But there are stories that maybe transcend this explanation. Can chanting Bloody Mary in a mirror actually summon some sort of entity? The stories that you are about to hear are sourced from various parts of the internet, and they are from people who claim that the Bloody Mary ritual has the power to yield some terrifying results. The stories were collated on a website called the Occult Museum. I played the Bloody Mary game twice. My friend and I had just watched Ghost Whisperer, and I wanted to freak her out because I scare her all the time. So first I looked into the mirror in my living room, turned around three times while saying Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. At first I was a little scared that she would show up. I looked deeper into the mirror and I checked all the corners to see if I could see the ghost, but there was no ghost. So I went to the bathroom, lights off and door closed. My friend followed me and stood outside. She said, I don't think you should do this. What if it's real? I was scared out of my mind, but I wanted to be the brave one. And I always wanted to test it. So I did the same old ritual and I stared into the mirror. Nothing. I stared in all corners. Then right as I was about to turn on the switch, I caught a glimpse of someone. I looked closer. It was black and white and her mouth was wide open. I expected to hear a scream but there was dead silence. There was black all around her eyes and she was a clear image. I was frozen so I just stood there looking. Then her arms lifted up and her hands were bright red. A few of her nails were gone and some were just about to be peeled off. When the hands appeared to grab my shoulders, a chill ran down my spine and a rush of cold air blew on my back. I screamed bloody murder, turned on the switch and ran out the door. My friend was standing with her mouth open and I hugged her. I don't know why though, 
I started crying, I was so scared. I covered all the mirrors in my house, my mom didn't really care, and I still don't use that particular bathroom. I will never try that again, because now I believe and know that it's true. The image of Bloody Mary with no fingernails or alternatively long talons was a running theme in these stories and she varied from being an old woman to a younger woman. Pretty much all of the stories though were centred around children daring each other to play the game. When I was about eight, I went to sleepaway camp up in the Pacific Northwest, about 30 miles from Seattle. Everyone was assigned to a cabin and they were these dingy, dirty, disgusting shacks that looked like no one had cleaned them in a century. It smelled like mould and there were spiders in the beds. I wanted to run home as soon as I entered, but my parents would have killed me. I decided in that moment that I would get a case of food poisoning the next day. The other girls felt the same way and it bonded us in some kind of weird sisterhood over the travelling pants kind of way. Anyway, on to the good stuff. So me and my new bunkmates all went into the bathroom a few buildings down to get ready for bed. There were six of us, and we were all giggling and running in the dark. The only way we could see anything was from a small flashlight one of the girls brought. We finally made it to the bathroom, though the girls were really starting to freak each other out. The bathroom wasn't much better than our cabin, and this girl Jessica came up with the idea to play Bloody Mary. I was the first to agree, and the other four girls didn't want to be labelled as the scaredy cats, so they nodded their heads that they were in. Jessica turned off the lights and switched off the flashlight, so the only light coming into the bathroom was from the lights of nearby cabins. This is when Jessica completely chickened out and turned to me saying that I should do it. I wasn't really scared at all, so I smiled and went straight to the mirror. The girls huddled behind me. I looked in the mirror and said, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. And we waited. Nothing. I was about to laugh the whole thing off, when for no reason, the mirror cracked right in front of our eyes. The girls screamed and ran out as fast as they could, but I was frozen. I was actually scared for the first time in my life. I felt like my legs were paralysed and I couldn't stop staring at the crack in the mirror. I wondered if it had always been there and maybe we had just noticed it. I tried to slow my breathing down when, for a flash of a second, I saw something move in the mirror as if someone was standing right behind me. My legs unfroze and I ran. I ran in the dark, tripping, falling, scraping my knees, anything to get back to my cabin, which now seemed like a haven of safety. By the next morning, we were all laughing and talking as if we had just defeated a giant but I still get freaked out whenever I think about that mirror cracking. What was interesting about the Bloody Mary stories that I found is that the majority of them were adults reflecting on things that had happened when they were children and these things had affected them for their entire life. I'm 22 now and a few years ago I was at my friend's house across town on Friday the 13th when we got talking about Bloody Mary We'd been reading on the internet about Bloody Mary and me and my friends decided to try doing Bloody Mary that night. There was me and my friends and we were going to be spending the night at my friend Gail's house. It was actually the 12th when we started talking about it and luckily we were going to be out of school on the 13th for a teacher's work day. The 13th that year was a Friday. 
I would have never took part in what we did that night if I had known what was going to happen to us. We got several candles, and as Gail had her own bathroom, we set up the candles in there in front of the big mirror and got ready. We sat up all night, talking and scaring the hell out of each other, and then at about five minutes until 3am, we went in the bathroom and used a match to light the candles. There were three of us girls in that bathroom at 3am, and I chanted Bloody Mary 13 times at almost exactly 3am. As I said Bloody Mary about the 12th time, we saw smoke swirl around the mirror, and we saw an old woman looking out of the mirror at us. We all screamed, and I think Gail turned the light on. Bloody Mary vanished almost at once and Gail's mother came running into the bathroom to see what was going on. She made us go to bed, but we stayed awake till daylight because we knew what we had seen. We all saw Bloody Mary in that mirror that night, and I know she is very real. I can tell you that I, for one, will never do Bloody Mary again. It scared the hell out of us and there is no way that it could have been a trick. I've heard of bad things happening to people who have seen Bloody Mary, but as luck would have it, so far for me and my friends, we're okay. Well, at least so far anyway. It's difficult to know where the legend of Bloody Mary really began, and it seems pretty likely that we've picked out stories from history or just made up stories to try and accompany a ritual that seems to have already existed. So where it began, we don't really know, but it's interesting that so many people have had weird experiences with it. We've talked before about tulpas and whether or not we can will something into existence with a collective imagining. So is it possible that Bloody Mary is just that? We've willed her into existence from years and years of children all over the globe performing a ritual in a mirror. It's interesting how varied the rituals are. It all involves saying Bloody Mary into a mirror, but it sounds like, you know, some people have to turn around, some people say it 13 times, some people do like a little jig before they do it. It's definitely going to depend on like the region or the high school that these people are in, what the what the legend or what the ritual is meant to be. Because there were somewhere it was like, you know, when I was reading about it, they said some people do it between three and like a hundred times, you know, say her name. So it just depends on where you are, I think. Interestingly, there was on one of the BuzzFeed Unsolved videos, they talked about linking it to one of the Japanese toilet ghosts that we talked about. Because there's a similar Japanese toilet ghost legend where you say her name in the mirror and then she's meant to appear. So I think I thought that was interesting that it's not necessarily Bloody Mary, but it is something very similar. It sounds like there's... uh, When it's cross-cultural, it always worries me a little bit because I feel like if everybody around the world has got a similar kind of thing, does that mean it's real? I think that's that's the yeah that's it. episode over. I'm not really into like mirrors as we know, and I've definitely had that experience when I've looked at myself. I find if I'm wearing glasses and I look in the mirror when it's dark, my eyes look really weird. Oh, I I, I bet yeah, and I I didn't realize that that was a scientific phenomenon. Like it is something that your brain just does. It starts to misfire, freaks out, and then you start to essentially hallucinate. Like some people, when it was studied by, there was a French, I think he was a French scientist who did loads of work on this. And like some people saw animal heads in the mirror. Like some people saw like weird stuff, not necessarily just your face distorted. So in that sense, Bloody Mary is real because people are seeing something that is, out of the ordinary and something that is really frightening them so in that sense it's it's true and i guess with the three stories that you read 
each one of them the thing came after staring for a little bit didn't it so they do the chanting they do the dance they do a handstand whatever it is and they have to do and then they'd stare and it's always the moment just before they're about to break the stare that something happens yeah it is you're right you're right so i wonder whether there is some validation in that theory however i also feel like if there was you know bloody mary She's not the uh, most pleasant of entities, so I feel that it wouldn't be, you know, it'd be part of her scope to wait until the last possible minute before doing something to add that extra impetus of being freaky. So the story of Mary Worth that I told you in the beginning is actually not true. Well, that is the legend that is associated with her. But when I say not true, there doesn't seem to be any historical evidence to back up that story. Okay, well, I'm going to just counter you very strong it may not have been Mary Worth per se but we know for a fact there were lots of witches put to death and Mary was a very common name so it may just be that Mary Worth is not the right one but there might be another one that is also Mary yeah I'm not I I'd imagine that it became Mary Worth because it was an easy name to go with the legend but there probably was similar stories, maybe not with all the child murder, but there probably was similar stories of women who, you know, were outsiders and they were accused of killing children or whatever. I mean, we know with Salem, all of those innocent women and men were accused of, of doing things they absolutely didn't do. And they ended up paying the ultimate price for it. So it is in that sense, again, like it's not necessarily historical fact, but there is historical fact in that story. And this is why... I really enjoyed researching this because it's really complex and there, depending on where you are in the world or even where you are regionally, there are so many different variants of the story. And like, it's it's interesting as well that because we've talked about urban legends a lot on Patreon and the, a phantom hitchhiker is a, a worldwide urban legend in various in various places. It's interesting that she has in some places become... Bloody Mary has become a phantom hitchhiker, which is interesting mm. because that's the, that's like two urban legends being melded into one and being more fitting for modern times because a, a witch living in the woods isn't really fitting for modern times. See, now I've grown up, obviously I never did it because the mere thought of doing something like that would have put me into a fit of crying um, uh, when I was younger. But it was always attached to Queen Mary. As felt like every time I heard it, it was that that was who came in. I definitely heard some versions that had basically had Mary as a character from a horror film that someone watched that they shouldn't have seen and just added it into a story various different times. But the one that got repeated the most was always Queen Mary. And that's mad because I never heard the Queen Mary version of the story until I was researching this. And her story broke my heart. Mm. I couldn't, I didn't, I know nothing about the royal family, really. I'm very uneducated about it. So when I read her story, it was really the first time I'd heard it. Oh, she had it. If I, if anyone was going to come back and haunt people, do you know what? She should be given a free pass to come back and haunt people because she had it rough. She did not have a good time. And I felt incredibly sorry for her. And I, I know I only mentioned one phantom pregnancy in the story, but she actually had two. She had one, I think, in her early 40s was fully convinced she was pregnant and then obviously again no baby and she went into the menopause and then died. Wow. I, it's just awful. Like her story is horrifying and I, I, I would, you know, if you're interested in that period of history, like do look her up because she just, from the minute she was born, she was used as like a royal pawn 
and then discarded when she wasn't really useful anymore and spent her whole life just yearning for what seemed it seems like she just yearned for unconditional love oh, oh so you know what queen mary if you're listening from a mirror somewhere i don't blame you for coming back for listening from one of our mirrors thank you for coming um i hope you have a nice trip to wherever you're going to next thanks i have said bloody mary about seven thousand times today in yep. this house so and not in a mirror <laughs> yeah well there's you know loads of mirrors out in the studio so you're just gonna have to get used to that you know she might be knocking around Although, you know, if she is, she is. I feel I feel quite sorry for her, to be honest. I really love the fact that this, these, like you said, that these are stories that have stuck with kids into adulthood. So it doesn't leave them. And I think that if you are, even in the moments that you found most scary, I think as a child, when you get to an adult, you mostly delegitimize them in your own mind so you'll find rational explanations for them and then say oh you know there was this time where i was really scared but in hindsight it was probably an owl (laughs) but to cling to it as truth makes it really scary to me and to cling to an urban legend as truth that everyone assumes is just a child's story that's the interesting Mm. bit as well it's not like they saw an alien, which by adults are kind of, for some adults, widely regarded as being real. They're, you know, it's not like they're saying they saw a ghost. They're saying they did a childhood ritual in a mirror and that it was real and that it worked. That's very different. I think the key thing is, true or false backstory, and whether it's Bloody Mary or something else, the key word is ritual. I think that there's power in a ritual, whether you know what you're doing or not. Do you think so? Yeah. See, I don't know if I do. Because there there must be literally, you know, millions over time of children who've done this ritual, right? And not all of them are seeing Bloody Mary. So why are some of them seeing it? If there's power in ritual, whether you know what you're doing or not, or whatever your intentions are, then why are only some of them seeing it and some of them not? All right, thanks. I thought I had something there. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> Sorry, I just pulled the rug out from under that one. So do you, like, genuinely, do you think there is any truth in this legend? I think, no, probably not in the direct legend, but I do think there's something to be said for intent, as we always say. Whether it's a tolpa or whether it's a group of people intent on summoning something and they do summon, summon something. and they Or put, intent on seeing something. Yeah, and they do see something and they put the name Bloody Mary to it. I still say there's power in a ritual, even if you just pull the rug out, dampen me or whatever. I still think, you know, it depends on the level of intent. I'd still say, like, nine times out of ten when kids are doing it, they're doing it to freak each other out or to spook each other out or for fun. The intent isn't there to summon something. It's to have a laugh or to make someone jump. Is it just the ones where there is some intent within the group that you see something There was an interesting theory that I came across, like an academic theory. I didn't delve too much into it because I kind of wanted to keep this like a lighthearted, relatively lighthearted episode. But there are some academics who have studied this sort of folklore who believe that there is a genuine link between Bloody Mary and prepubescent girls in that it is generally prepubescent girls that do the ritual. And it's actually very hard to find boys who have done this ritual And they are the ones that are connecting with this ritual in a way. And actually their fear is about puberty and their fear is about having their first period. And it's somehow been like melded into this ritual of of summoning Bloody Mary, which I thought 
you know, you could go down a whole rabbit hole with that theory and it's probably very interesting, but I just thought I'd put it out there. I think uh, at the risk of being too generalised as well, there's a cert- there's a different, for some groups of girls, there's a different attachment to the bathroom as a place rather than the boys who use it to pee. That's a very good point. And I, I agree with you because for some groups of girls, it is like a, a meeting place, isn't it? Yeah. And it's it's a place of sociability and it's it's got a complete... And it, nightclub toilets, like that's that's all you need to say. <laughs> um, the final thing I want to say as well is that we all know that mirrors are portals to another world where demons and dark things lurk. And actually what we should take away from this is that unless you're doing your makeup or you're looking, checking to see if you've got eye goo, we should probably keep them covered at all times as a safety precaution. Yeah, probably. With with all the stories that we've had recently, I think that's probably true. I'd like to give a shout out to Charlie, by the way, because Charlie inspired this episode. When I read her listener story last week, when I was putting the episode together and she had done the Bloody Mary ritual and then they had the orange goo coming from the walls, I thought, oh, Bloody Mary might be an interesting one to do because it's enduring, because it's global and because loads of people have tried it. Should we try it? What do you think? I'm, I know. <laughs> All right. There are, I am happy to, for people to just say it's not true. I don't need to disprove it myself. I'm, I'm quite happy to just go by the word of people. And if some people have seen Bloody Mary, good on them. And if some people think it's a load of hocus pocus, good on them too. I do not need any theory. No, I don't need any practical examples to see whether it works. When I was a kid, I vaguely remember that we talked about kind of like a Bloody Mary-esque ritual and part of it was like you had to say the Our the hour Father backwards, which is a prayer in Catholicism. I feel like I did it. Nothing happened, obviously, but I'm nearly Explains sure I did it. a lot. <laughs> no, but there was a fascination. We were still on the tail end when we were younger. There, there was still a tail end fascination about this whole records being played backwards and doing things backwards is satanic it's probably a hangover from that i'd imagine i can't bear listening to any sort of record backwards you know that like like you said there was that fascination with it and there's sometimes youtube compilations come up on my auto playlist where it's like this record backwards says this and then they play it backwards i just find it traumatized no matter what it says or no matter what it's meant to say i just hate the sound of it it really freaks me out there's they got there was there is a way of recording something of recording something so that it plays backwards and they did that for some records on purpose to play into the fear. So there are some legitimate records. I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but there are some legitimate records that when you play backwards it does say something, but that's because they intended it to. Well, I can see why they would do that. <laughs> like it would definitely you I mean you're you're building a legend for yourself, mm. so why not? If you enjoyed today's episode and you have had any experiences of uh, performing the Bloody Mary ritual, please let us know. I'm dying to hear if anybody else has had weird stuff happen after doing it. You can find everything you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. We have a new merch range coming out on the 20th of June and a brand new merch store, which I'm very excited about. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash reallifeghoststories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to all the extra content that you could possibly need and desire. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.